Let's, uh, let's ask the Lord's blessing. Dear Lord, we're grateful for just time considering your words to man, and we'd ask that you would help stabilize our thinking. In your son's name, amen. I was talking to Greg Evans, was over this last Tuesday, I think it was. We were talking about this, some of these verses, and so I started, I was thinking about it for the rest of the week. And so when time to prepare a sermon came on and the certain verses were on my mind, much easier to shove them together and go, okay, let's just talk about them for a little bit. And uh, it's the comments of Jesus Christ about being the light. We were talking about the creation. And everybody's fine with Jesus being the light as a metaphor. But we were wondering, sometimes when you approach the, when you approach nature, when you approach knowing something, there are things, we presume that things have to be, that we can know are, are going to be polite, sensible, dignified things. We don't presume that any conspiracy theory is true. We don't presume that any myth is true. We don't presume any fairy tale is true. And it's just because we're, it's not that they are true, it's just that they, they discomfort us. They are not in keeping with how we have decided to think, the ways we think, whether it's science or whether it's rationality or whether it's um, you know, polite Anglo-Saxon behavior. But sometimes it's good to look at the scriptures And say, we already believe, okay, as Christians, those of us who are Christians, believe that a Jew, who probably was a woodworking Jew, who was killed by the Romans in the first century, not that he is a wise teacher, you could end up being, some of you are woodworkers yourselves. Some of you uh, have shared many wise things with your friends. You could be a postal carrier and a wise man. Jesus could be a carpenter and a wise man. We're, we're not talking about a wise man Jew who was a carpenter. We're talking about a Jew who was a carpenter who was wise and was very God. Okay? It gets a little weird at that point. And in our claim about that, we tend to back away from it. The, this is the most startling thing we believe. It's Christmas time, right? We're few more weeks and we get presents, all because of Jesus Christ in history. We're talking about something central to Western civilization. I'm not going to claim it is in the East, but here, Jesus, we date everything. I, I like the conceit of the scholars. It's now BCE. It's going to be the same day, but before current era, not before Christ, before current era. We just don't want to Remember that the current era is defined by, not accurately, it wasn't the birth of Christ, it was, he was born about 4 B.C. So there's another, what year is this, 2019, so it's really 2023. We could just adjust it. Whatever the case, it is central 
to Western civilization. Now, most of Western civilization doesn't believe what we believe. Fine with that. But for us who do believe that Jesus is the Christ, not only is the Son of the Blessed, like you could be the Son of the Blessed in your repentance, but is very God himself. And once you step into that role, you start saying some weird things. You start seeing things. And I made a little comment here at the top of the notes. Obscure lyrics, blinded by the light. Now some of you are older. You remember, you might even remember back all the way to American Pie. Remember American Pie? Anybody got the lyrics to that and memorized? And nobody knew what it was about. And when Bruce Springsteen came out with Blinded by the Light, equivalently so. I, I printed some out because he is no John Milton. And she was blinded by the light. You know what, you know what the second line is? cut loose like a deuce. Another runner in the night, in case you're wondering how to modify that in some way. Some of the, verse, some of the lyrics in the verse, eh, with this very unpleasing sneezing and wheezing, the calliope crashed to the ground. Please, diagram that sentence for me. I, I, I thought of it because we were talking about blinded by the light, incomprehensible lyrics. People are being born into this world, swaddling clothes themselves, carried home by their parents, set in front of a TV or a tablet. The sun comes up in the morning, and they are clueless. They have no idea. They are absolutely blind to what's going on. And as we were thinking, Greg and I were talking about the effects of light. Now, just actual light, you know, the lights, these lights, sunlight, light in the universe. Verse 1 of chapter 1 of Genesis, the first verse in the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. So you had stuff, whatever that stuff was, in space, it was dark, and when you say it was without form, it's without shape and empty. It's void. Chaos. And the Spirit of God was moving over the face of the waters. I want you to be thinking about this, and I want you to think about it through the rest of your, well, I don't know, and see how you structure homework in a church like ours. Because, you know, we wouldn't have any person collecting the homework after you got it done. So why don't you guys think about this, oh, I don't know, for the rest of your life. Because that's what it's about. It's about the rest of your life. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Now, what I don't know if you've ever thought about, you know, God thought it was good. He says, well, God saw the light was good. God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, there was morning one day. Oddly enough, what happens when light comes into the situation? 
It is meaning. It carries meaning. It communicates meaning. Okay? Darkness is just absence. Darkness, you don't know where you stand. Now, we live in a lit world. We don't just have the light of the day and the night provided by the cosmos. We have invented light. I don't know who you want to credit, Edison or who's that other guy that lost? Tesla. Um, fake lights. Illumination. But I want you to be thinking in terms of what, what was coming into the world. Now we know as Christians, that's a Hebrew Old Testament structure of the creation. God made the heavens and the earth. They were formless and void. He said, okay, light this thing up. You have now a system of measure. You have to see your world to be able to have any correlative capability to where, where the, that, the pieces that you now are recognizing as distinct. And we were reading through Paralandra uh, in the readings this last semester and, and there's that scene where Ransom is in this pitch black cave or just at night on Paralandra on Venus when the sun goes out it's black, dark, you know, hand in front of your face can't see it. The sensation of not even being. Light is measure, is meaning. It's suddenly apprehension start to happen to you because the light bounces off of everything and hits your eye and suddenly the universe is communicating to you through that sense of sight. And you start trying to put it together. But that being put together is a, uh, oh, it's a big task. It's a huge task. It covers everything from the history of the universe to your place in it and what today is. How do you measure your universe? It matters how you view the light. Now, I don't just think that God is saying, let there be light, like whatever the physicists say light is. Is it a wave? Is it a particle? Is it something else in between? What are they up to? I don't know. I think they're largely clueless. They're just throwing things at the wall at this point. I wonder if it's Christ. Um, you say, Evan, you're going around the bend here. I'm not saying this theologically as some sort of claim that the light was Christ. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You see a similarity to the first verse we read. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. So he's talking about the beginning. He's talking about the Word's participation in that. And in the back of your mind you're saying, why is he calling him the Word? Because this is the nature of creation of other. Meaning is able to be transferred. 
And you not only have the meaning himself, the word, you have the means of that meaning. Everything was made, and without him was not anything made that was made. So all of that stuff, that formless void, the deep, the lights coming on, in that world, God had made, or the Christ, the Word had made those things. In him, listen to this, was life. <clears throat> and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. You know something is going on. You perhaps heard sermons by other pastors before, connecting the first part of John to the first part of Genesis. It's really suggesting, that not that maybe historically, that the lights when they came on in the first world was somehow physiologically connected to the soul of Jesus. But he's telling you that you are to be thinking about it in that way. Whether you want to go, I'm going to go full metaphor on this, or I'm going to go full identity on this. Because I don't think it actually matters, because you're in a world he made in which he, in some crucial way, is the light that is life. He is the word that is meaning. That everything that we get up in the morning to do and we want the lights on to do it so we don't step on one of your kids' Legos and you don't have little pains, you don't get into car accidents. You know this is the case that, that when you drive without your headlights on, it's not a good idea. Even on a foggy morning like today, if I can't see as well, I need to see. I need to process my whole world. And Jesus Christ, who made that whole world and turned the lights on, at least in the physics sense, if you believe that it was a physical thing that he has made in the light, not, not something also himself. But he at least wants to be represented by that image. He wants you to choose light and the life that comes from it. When you start to think of how much is done by light, Look back at the creation account. You had day and night. Turning the lights on made a day and made a night. It also made a morning and an evening. It also made calendars. Suddenly. Meaning just cobbled, you know, falling all over itself. Everything illuminated. And that everything he's making, he's making in that light for you to see, measure, name, understand. And then, how much of you is alive because of light? How much of the plant kingdom is alive, able to do what it does because light falls on it? Now, I'm obviously not a scientist. Um, however, however you get at it, the highest, this, this one of these great, great mysteries of what this stuff is, And it might not matter for us, Sunday to Sunday, for you to say whether or not Jesus Christ is the actual light, or is he the word that light was the best image of how you're going to know. And it's not just a spiritual image. You begin to know things. 
you begin to measure things. Now, um, my suggestion, and I'm not saying I believe that Christ is that light physically, but I think it's possible. But because this is his world, I mean, he built it from the ground up. He, he is, not, there was not anything made that was made that he did not make. If I'm going to claim that, why, you know, and he is this word of God, what am I going to do with that? Just back away? No, let the physicists have that. They play with light. And Jesus Christ is the light. And that light is the life of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now, I just, in case you're thinking I'm going around the bend, I'm giving you complete permission to differ with me on this and to have something far more sensible and acceptable to other denominations in your views. Again, you say, well, I think light's a very good metaphor for Jesus. Be warmed and filled. Not a problem. As long as he continues to be that metaphor, long as whatever light he is, that light like this is a metaphor for, is intensified in your thinking. As long as you do get to a devotional good, not at a devotional escape, because that's what metaphors are used for. I hate using the word for with the word metaphor, because it's difficult. What is a metaphor for? Mostly it's escape. So I don't have to believe something embarrassing. Don't use it that way. If you use it, it should be leading you to a greater devotional reality of where you place Christ as the light of God. It's the carrier of meaning and the carrier of life. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came for testimony to bear witness to the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light but came to bear witness to the light. The true light that enlightens every man was coming into the world. This is why I say, if you make it a metaphor, which you're free to do, make sure that Jesus Christ is the true light of that metaphor. Sometimes we think when we make something a metaphor for a spiritual thing, we are suggesting to ourselves that the metaphor, that why we use it is because it's more true. The lights are on. This is light shining on the earth. We'll make that a metaphor for something that is less definite. The metaphor is, for, is the less definite thing. It is representing something. Jesus Christ was the true light that enlightens every man was coming into the world. This is the this is the age here. We can read this in Colossians 2. Um, no, Colossians 1. Colossians 1 tells you about who Jesus Christ is. Yeah, find it here. Where is Colossians? I should have printed it on the notes, but I didn't. Colossians 1. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He is above, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. 
He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. You can't drive anything to any higher position than Christ has been declared to be. Whether it's by John, whether it's by St. Paul, whether it's in the Old Testament, New Testament, you cannot find a higher place to put Christ. He is this light. He carries this meaning. He is this word. He illuminates things, and you need, like John the Baptist, someone to say, look, that's the light over there. How do you handle this? He was in the world, verse 10. And the world was made through him. He says, yeah, let's go back. Genesis 1, first part of this very chapter in John. He was, he was doing that stuff. He was making that stuff. And the world was made through him, yet the world knew him not. He came to his own home. His own people received him not. Can you imagine if Jesus Christ were not just a metaphor, but actually was the glory of God. Have you ever bothered you in some discussion with a, uh, you know, a friend who was a materialist or something like that, and they said, well, you know, it says in the creation that the light came before the sun. Um, they go, well, I don't know what to do with that. How do, I, how do I get light without the sun? We're all running around our little physics lab trying to figure out how light can exist without the sun. Maybe it's not that sun. Maybe it is the glory. I don't know. doesn't say. Light was there before the source. Jesus Christ is the true light. What the light came into the creation to do and then was given a source by which to continue to do it. We have all sorts of escapes from looking at it. We don't, you know, I, I, I came into the world that I made, if, I, if Christ is saying to himself, I come into this world, I made this light, I made this stuff, and it doesn't even see me. And to his own people, the people he had the biggest connection with, the Jews, and they received him not, but then he says something gracious, but to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God. So we know our very salvation, those of us who are Christians, because we have seen the Christ, we have beheld his glory, we have understood the meaning, both of ourselves and of the world around us, that we are guilty of sin, that we need the forgiveness of God, and that we need to bow the knee, like uh, Paul was reading this morning. We need to stand before the Lord of heaven and earth and fall on our knees and go, you are God and I am not. That's what we need to be doing. Because that's what the, well, the lights come on, you realize how wrong you had something. But people don't recognize it. But to those that did, they were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word, verse 14, became flesh. And dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. Now, I want you to think about those two things at least. There's far more to be measured in the cosmos than grace and truth. 
you can push everything under the truth category. Everything you could ever know. I would like to know how to tie my shoes. Now, I, I have tied my shoes for many years. Incorrectly. My wife has tried to show me the correct way to tie my shoes. I still don't do it correctly. This shoe always comes untied. Within, oh, I don't know, 15 minutes. She actually sometimes gets down on her hands and knees to help me tie my shoes. This is sad. You know, probably you guys know how to tie your shoes, right? Addison, Mark? Probably Wesley knows how to tie. You guys know how to tie your shoes? They don't come untied? You don't use Velcro, are you? Okay, well. We could all use some help here, folks. Tax time's coming up. We could all use some help. You ever been in a relationship with somebody of the opposite sex? We could all use some help. We don't know what's going on. We're dumb as a bag of hammers. Grace and truth, full of grace and truth, he has come, dwelt among us, and then it says, we have beheld his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father. It's suddenly that grace and truth is the, you might say, the, the meaning and life that light brings. Glory brings it. And again, whether or not you're thinking natural light is a metaphor, it's a mystery even as a metaphor, or whether you think there's some sort of actual connection between God himself and light itself, we have to realize that it's bringing the light, the true light that came into the world is bringing grace, truth in a way for us to understand it. John bore witness to him and cried, This is he of whom it is said, He who comes after me ranks before me, for he was before me. And from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only Son who is in the bosom of the Father, he has made him known. We come to meaning and understanding because the lights are on. Spiritually, devotionally, piously, purposefully, our lives gain purpose from us knowing what's going on because we have beheld the glory of Jesus Christ. Because in that glory is also his forgiveness, his grace, for, to you and your sin, and understanding about what's going on in this world. Now, it becomes a problem in that people don't re receive him not. His own people didn't receive him. The world was made for him, and they did not receive him. Leslie and I were watching a strange movie yesterday. We don't even remember what the name of it was sci-fi action thriller moral lesson you know I don't know what it was at some point they're riding on a train and they've never been in a train with windows in it and the windows are suddenly open and it's light outside everybody's blinded by it blinded by the light this is what happens when the lights come on Christianity let's, let's be honest amongst ourselves makes a lot of sense it's one of the most philosophically attuned claims in human history, if not the most. Thousands of years, Christian thinkers 
have been working on the question. Christian historians, Christian philosophers, Christian theologians, Christian everybody, this and that, have been measuring our lives, trying to amplify the light. And you hope, now Christians have, people who claim to be Christians, have lived very disreputable lives in front of the world in many cases, but a number of people have tried to live the life faithful to what the light that falls on us in grace and truth brings to us. And it's interesting. More interesting, you go to a you know a foreign country, you go to New Guinea, they haven't heard of, they've been bowing down to a rock in the middle of their village, and all of a sudden you talk to them about these things, and like, oh my gosh, it's like getting a cell phone. It's amazing. Westerners, not so much, not so interested, but still, it could be something that meaning, finally, is coming across to them in their thoughts, and that meaning, uh, the problem is, it's like glory, it's a little too bright, You've asked the question, what does everything mean? And the answer is there in the light. But meaning in life are grace and truth. And grace and truth are because we're stupid sinners. We need the truth because we're stupid. And we need grace because we're sinners. Now here's the basic problem with sinners who are not real bright. You ever, you ever have, you've had children? Any of your children ever lie to you? You ever lie to your parents? Mari confesses, yes, I have. Bethany, shocked. What? Say you, some of the lies are the best. Because they think they're getting, they think they've come up with something. Well, um, you know, a, a guy ran in, oh, one of our kids who, the haircutting incident where the hair gets cut. And suddenly mother realizes, why is this big gap out of your hair when you came home from school? One of our children claimed that a little boy that she didn't know ran up behind her, now you know Michael, and cut her hair and ran off before she could see who it was. There's a criminal mastermind of a child there who prowling the halls of Logos School, cutting little girl's hair. And all it took was, let's pursue this a little bit. Pretty soon she's in tears, admitting she had made it all up. <laughs> she made it all up. You know, we're really dumb. We go, no, no, shut the lights off. I'm going to make up my own story. I'm going to make this up. I'm going I'm to wing it. We were talking to that agnostic who's been coming to the readings. And I, I think I mentioned to you when we were praying for him, his name's Jonathan. And uh, he really said, you know, you beat me everywhere. I, I, I have no response, I have no argument. I want to think this way anyway. People will run into the darkness for not because I really think the truth is in there, my darkness, my way. Come on, it's, we, we, the, the jokes write themselves. You can have, you know, um, it was a John Cleese joke. How do you make God laugh? Tell him what you think. It's a, it's silly. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get it right this time. 
I, I could figure out how to do all the financial things and all of the defensive ethics and all the rest, and it'll really work this time. Why are we doing it? We're not doing it because we're pursuing truth. We're running away from truth because truth well, has a God at the other end. The light is the glory of Christ, not just some abstract content that says this is kind of true. Wouldn't it be great to live this way? There is somebody. And it, you might even think of it in a pagan somebody sort of way. The reason, jumping down to John 3. Now John 3.16, you've all heard. This is John 3.17. Okay? Just skipping over that God so love the world thing. For God sent his son into the world, not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not condemned. He who does not believe is condemned already. Now this is the same writer who has told you that the true light of man, this is two chapters later, the true light of man, who was life itself, was coming into the world because he had illuminated his creation and now he was coming in to illuminate his creation even more. And he says, we will be saved through him. He who believes in him is not condemned. He who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. This is the judgment that the light has come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light. Can you imagine? You know you don't like it in your own life when you can't find the light switch, turn on the lights, or when your headlamps are out on your car. I can't see where I'm going. I can't even walk to the fridge. We know better than this. So if we choose darkness rather than light, something's up. It's a special brand of stupid. Why is it a special brand? Why are we doing it? It says here in the next line. Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come into the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. All of your evil has self-reward involved in it. That's why you're doing it. It features some desire. You are tempted when you're lured and enticed by your own desires. So anybody out there in the world setting up a storm, it's because they're following their own desires, and you kind of know that you're not in charge of the universe. You are not the light of the universe. You are not grace and truth to the universe. You're just hiding your own selfish little pursuit from the light and probably hating the light in the process because nothing is worse than a God showing up and embarrassing you because of what you've been up to. Meaning is bad for evil. So you keep it dimmer, but you say, oh, it's not pitch dark here. We'll just keep the dimmer switch, you know, turn, turn down. And I will have, you know, in that world with the dimmer switch on, it looks kind of like I could function almost, and maybe I could get up and pay my taxes and get to work on time and not be horribly a mess. But then you start talking to the, those sorts of people, and you were those sorts of people yourself. And you say, no, 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 no. Tell me your ideas again. Tell me what you're actually thinking it means. 
And this light, you probably figured it out. The lights are on, right? What happens? You end up becoming a sociology major. So you can hang out with people at a coffee shop and talk about meaningless ideas. Not ideas with meaning, God help you. You don't want ideas with meaning. On the left-hand side, I said, John 8. I kept these all these in the Gospel of John. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. We are avoiding it because we don't want this life of God's righteousness. That's what I means you'd rather do what you want to do. I mean, everybody... The Al Geyer line, I want what I want when I want it, and I want it now. That's how we function. We're Christians, and so we want what the Lord wants, when he wants it. And when he says jump, we say how high. That's what we're, we're serving God. We are part of a kingdom. We must bow down like Nebuchadnezzar failed to. What I want you to think about as Christians, because you're not people that are going, yeah, we're in rebellion against, you know, heaven. I want you to be thinking, as Christians, that your nature of meaning, or somebody was telling us about somebody yesterday, or oh, a couple nights ago, somebody was over here talking about a person I don't know who was struggling with schizophrenia and um, the idea of looking for meaning, what, needing meaning in life, and concerned that the search for meaning was spiraling him into schizophrenia. Whatever is going on there, you know meaning is important. You know being right is important. You know that life rests in finding that meaning. I want you as Christians to realize it goes all the way back to creation. This is not, you know, a lot of people say, well, is it really important? You know, I, Christians have different opinions about the nature of creation or whether it was young earth, old earth, all of this. Don't get rid of creation. Whatever you do, these issues on which, the, whatever you come up with, but they go back to creation. Where the word, God himself, as Christ brought the world into existence and illuminated it, bringing it meaning in life. There is someone who created it with that meaning. There is someone who communicated that meaning to us in it. And then he sent his son to intensify that meaning and to allow that meaning to be grasped because we needed grace and he needed to die that we would have grace. So that he could recreate the good creation that was his initial design and I could see that happening. I could understand that happening and I could hate it. And it's not because it doesn't mean something and not that anyone would say it means something awful. It means something very good. Forgiveness and life. But they still hate it. Jesus said to them, the light is with you a little longer. Walk while you have the light, 
lest the darkness overtake you. He who walks in the darkness does not know where he goes. That's what you as Christians ought to be about. Checking under every rock that the light you have in Christ, so it'll illuminate it, you can correlate it, you can organize it, you can understand the world like no one else understands it. While you have the light, believe in the light. So I don't want you not thinking about the light. This is homework for the rest of your life. Believe that you are standing in the light. That you may become sons of light. That that, that in, big in you, that it's not just grace and truth, but that you would identify yourself as part of the metaphor, if you're thinking in metaphoric terms. Part of the glory that we have beheld is in you. In John 12 it says, Jesus cried out and said, He who believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And he who sees me sees him who sent me. And I have come as light into the world that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. This is the big meaning, uh, this is the big kahuna, I guess. If you see this, if you see the ultimate meaning in Christ, you have seen God himself. We see him who sent him in seeing him. This is what the light is for. You have beheld the face of God. When it says to Moses when he's on Mount Sinai, and he asks the Lord, I would love to see your glory. And God says to him, no one shall see my face and live. But I will put my hand over you. I'll let my glory pass before you. And then I'll remove my hand and you can see my back. We've been given more. Moses was denied. We have beheld his glory. He is that light. He is that being. He is that agent in history that has come into the world as light to the world. And you, you know, gathered together in North Idaho on the edge of civilization, have beheld that glory. We've had that meaning. We have seen that God. And if we are meditating on this, when we look at the light, we're either saying, I've got to hate this light, or it's God help me. And that's the end of it. God help me. So, we as believers ought to represent that light faithfully and know what a grand theme it is in everything before us. And everyone we're in front of. So let's pray. Dear Lord God, we're grateful that your light in your world has shown in such a way that we could look upon all things and know. And look upon all things and forgive and be forgiven. And that your goodness and your being can be apprehended. We'd ask that we would find ourselves falling to our knees in worship of a God like you. And that others who do not worship you would see us and the change in us and the lives lived in the light and envious. In your son's name, we pray. Amen.